and the pot not soda. And now it's time for Brett, Brian, and oh damn, enjoy the show. So I'm just saying, you know, if it was out of season, how far, what are the links, Brian, that you would go to for some Girl Scout cookies? Mm. Well. Because, you know, that season is ending soon. Right. I'd do a lot for a Klondike bar. I'd probably do a little bit more for uh, for some Thin Mints. Yeah. <laughs> if, uh, yeah. You take those you know Thin Mints I mean? uh, cold or room temp? <sighs> Great question. And I think this really separates people. Yes, it does. Are you are you like are you a freezer or are you room temperature? Oh, I'm in the freezer. Yes, yeah, that's, the, that's the correct answer. Zero thin mints. As soon as those thin mints are inside my house, they <laughs> go in the freezer and they don't come out again until I'm ready to consume them. Yes, that's a professional. That's that's the right play. Yeah. Uh, thank you all for joining us in this episode of Pop Not Soda. Uh, we've been gone for a couple weeks. Um, that's because uh, we came out of our hole, we saw our shadow, and we were treated. So that's what happened. Yep. Uh, but we are joined by a returning guest, a uh, renowned crime author and a filmmaker, Aaron Philip Clark. Aaron, <laughs> renowned. <for> <laughs> that's weighty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Happy to be here. Hey, I renowned you. So uh, yeah. I think that's all it takes. That's all it took. Okay. This is our mulligan episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know that we put out some footage from a behind the scenes uh, first draft of this episode right. but uh we're about Dress to do rehearsal. we're about to do it right right uh so thank you for joining us again um well, this is going to be your second time with an asterisk <laughs> okay we're very so, bonding i don't know if this here. gets you in the hall of fame <laughs> but we know yeah but we know uh we've got a great episode for you we're going to be talking uh detective pikachu uh we're going to be talking robert Kraft and his extracurricular Woo! activities baby good old bobby uh, we're going to be talking jesse smollett and crimes that we would like to fake uh and the true detective season three has ended and so we're going to talk about that in the state of noir in film and television uh so you may detect a theme running through this episode they're mm. Uh, and I also like a pun there. there. Yeah, you like it. Uh, but first, uh, we're talking about Girl Scout cookies because there is a story that broke uh, this past week that had had me very happy the entire time when I first heard the story and when I heard the update. Uh, but a man in South Carolina, he went viral after he exited a grocery store. And it was, you know, at night. It was cold. And, he, and there was Girl Scouts selling their cookies. And he bought the whole lot. He wanted to send the girls home, get them out of the cold, he said. And so he spent $540 on all of their cookies. The entire stash. Which is like 100 boxes, 120 boxes of cookies. Yeah, it's a lot yeah. Of cookies. they're like five bucks each. Yeah, and, uh, you know, they, he took a picture with the young Girl Scouts, and the mom tweeted it, and it went viral. And Usually this is how you end up on, like, Ellen. Uh, oh, yes. You know? Right. Uh, but this man did not end up in Ellen. He ended up in a federal penitentiary. Yes, sir. Because less than 12 hours later, he was arrested as part of a drug trafficking organization. And not just any drug trafficking. Cocaine, fentanyl, and heroin. The yeah, good, some, the like, good some, good, some good stuff. Right? I mean, it's some Girl Scout cookie-level yes. drugs. Yeah, if yeah. There just were. put your coffee in the morning. Yeah. You know? I mean, I'm not <laughs> surprised that there isn't any fentanyl in Samoa's. <laughs> there could be. <laughs> we would never know. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, 
you know, it had me thinking that one, people are dimensional. You know, they can do good things while they're doing bad things on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that he just it was game recognized game <laughs> because you know <laughs> what he's doing. Is basically just as additive as what the little girl stats were doing. So. Totally. Yeah. I want to ask you guys: is is it hero? Is it heroic to buy all the Girl Scout cookies, or is it kind of a dick move? Because I want to mm. go up there and I want to buy my Girl Scout cookies too. And well, not now. Like we are late. Uh, we're in the late. Game. This is like black. So yeah, yeah. If this were like first weekend yeah. when the Girl Scout cookies dropped, okay, then maybe a dick move. Okay, but we're you know but almost yeah, it's in almost, March. It's, yeah, it's wrapping up. Yeah, exactly. we're post. We're post. We're in post season Girl Girl Scout cookie. Down. I mean, in this yeah. guy situation, it was cold, so he probably just took pity on him. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, let's be real in terms of of what he did i mean you know when it comes to crime and the way it operates within the community you have to think about it like this guy did a service historically criminals have not just been as dan put it one-sided they give free turkeys away thanksgiving Mm -hmm. I mean, okay, Frank Lucas. I'm yeah. just saying they build soccer you know? stadiums in <laughs> poor villages. <laughs> they do a lot of stuff, you know, within the community. This could have just been this guy's, you know, service. Yeah, does that factor hang in the it court? forward? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Crime author, does that does that hang hang anything in court? Hey, I, I bought all these girls. Yeah, you know, come on down. <laughs> no, 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 that's how he's gonna bribe the federal judge. Yeah, no, be like, got, hey, what's you can't do eat these no more. Yeah. <laughs> how many boxes of Samoas is yeah. he gonna take? Give me the fuck well, out of here. I actually, but this is my question: How does it impact the Girl Scouts? So, oh, do they have to give back the money? Does he have to give back? You know, the money have to be given back, or like, I mean, it's I dirty. It. So, do the police? want that money and seize it because normally when the when you're involved in a drug operation they take everything yeah but i feel like since this happened after the fact yeah but they it, know where the money is yeah but it's 540 dollars it's also like, the, like I mean, you're also taking the money like, out of a well actually yeah fuck the girl scouts right <laughs> <laughs> they're a goddamn criminal organization say, anyway seize you know the cookies. yeah <laughs> seize the, the cookies the, cookies, the, the cash, whole operation poor little girls they sold it on out on the streets <laughs> see what i think actually is that uh the the dea sting was actually on the girl scouts and they just he got caught up in it no that would be mm. funnier and, <laughs> and that's what happened um, but that's not the only crime story we've done in the news. Uh, unless you've been living under a rock, uh, you know that Empire actor Jesse Smollett has been all over the place. Yeah. Uh, from What a roller coaster. <laughs> from, from victim <laughs> to conspirator to indictment. I will say, if there's, if there's a positive to, co- to come out of this, I had no idea who he was before this, <laughs> and now I'm convinced he's like the greatest actor on the fucking planet. Are you saying you don't watch Empire? I do not watch Empire. Uh, do you want to watch Empire now? I no. This has not. <laughs> no, okay, this isn't. <laughs> yeah, you towards the one right, yeah. way you. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, that interview he did. My God, the interview was great. Yeah, because looking back at it now. Oh yeah, because you're just like, and I I kept thinking there's something just undercooked about his story. You know, and as a as a writer, I'm thinking Jesse Smollett could have benefited from working with a writer. He needed someone to write a better story because sure. it's one thing to get beaten up. 
But now you're talking about bleach was thrown on you. You're talking about a news. And all this happened in a matter of 30 seconds? Like, come on. He needed a writer. Yeah. Specifics got you in trouble. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get too specific. Yeah. Never do. If it's a blur, it's a blur. It Let is. it be a blur. Yeah. yeah. You got jumped by two guys, you know, leave it at that. He, he got too caught up. And then to, to refer to himself, having faced facing legal persecution, as he put it, as the gay Tupac? I mean, this is pure, <laughs> pure comedy now. Yeah. Like, this is, I didn't know that, but that's... Oh. This is how oh, yeah. It's on video. Him. Yeah. I watched it. He did... He, he he seemed to fall for, like, the theater actor, like, flaw, where it's like, I'm getting applause. I should carry this as, 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 going. Yeah. as far as I possibly is can. It, and, and I think when I realized that this wasn't what it seemed was when I heard the story and was like, this would make an episode of Law & Order SVU. Yeah, or yeah. it'd be a great episode in Empire. Yeah. <laughs> right? I know, right? Uh, like, he's his <laughs> career's dwindling, yeah. you know? Like, his family boxes him out. He needs to do something to get back in the limelight. Yeah. You know? Fake a getting jumped. And getting on that, white dudes. Uh, we were talking earlier, and we came up with the question, if we could fake any crime, that we would think... You know, that we would just want to do. What crime would we fake? Uh, and and pull our own Jesse Smollett. Mm-hmm. And so, Brian, I wanted to start with you. If you could fake any crime. Like and get away with it? No. Is that, okay. There's no okay. guarantee you're getting away with it. But, but just getting... If you're going to fake a crime, okay. what's mm-hmm. the crime you're trying to fake? So, I had a pretty instant reaction when we were talking about this because, like, of all the movies that I've seen, all the heists... Uh, I think probably the most utterly ridiculous one uh, comes from one of my favorite actors, uh, Nick Cage, a uh, a piece of, of his collection, uh, and that's National Treasure, because he wants to steal, or he you know eventually does, steal the goddamn Declaration of Independence. Holy shit, he does. <laughs> I mean, I don't even want to say it again, because just the utter <laughs> stupidity of that, like, actually coming to fruition is just baffling so yeah if i could fake a crime i would do that and mainly just for the fact that i could be like i fucking didn't you know <laughs> natural so people like, like me and nick cage <laughs> the only ones in the game to ever do it oh uh, okay I, I you went you shot for wow that that's a big one yeah mine's a little different yeah uh i would want to fake my own identity theft really yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Think about what you could get away with yeah. if you were faking that your identity was stolen. Just go pop tags, you know? Yes. Hmm. Just go hide it somewhere? You're oh, basically okay. just stealing from insurance and credit card companies. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that. I mean, and yeah, it would be annoying to have to fight some of the things on the back end to get my name cleared or accounts closed or credit store up. But I feel like if I did it right, I could get away and get so much more shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I think I would fake identity theft. So you went with a very practical. Yeah. yeah. That's what I was saying. You threw, I mean, you're fucking stealing the declaration of independence. Yeah. We, we were two separate movies. You were uh national treasure and I was identity thief with Melissa McCarthy and Jason Bateman. Mm, that's right that was amazing. i don't feel good about comparing myself to identity <laughs> thief <laughs> but it is what it is Aaron, being a crime author do you have any uh crime that you would like to you know get away with 
I mean, fraudulent. I crime and not actually get away with yeah. the crime. <laughs> yeah. But fake Well, the crime. I would say I've always been interested in um, fraud cases. And um, about the time where, you know, in terms of my generation, we were saddled with student loan debt. Um, one way out of it was to fake madness. And if you are institutionalized for a certain amount of time, there was a loophole there that said you did not have to pay back your student loans. Interesting. Now, is this oh. still in effect? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> I'm not sure. They may have, maybe someone tried it and they caught on. But the only downside is you have to, you can't do it too well because you're, you're never getting out. <laughs> you're never getting out. Yeah, yeah. So you have to be almost a better actor than Jesse Smollett <laughs> in, the, in the sense that you're going to have to be able to get out and continue your life. But you have to stay in there for enough time well, where they'll go ahead and they'll I think the real them. question is, is what crime do you fake that you get found guilty due to insanity that gets you locked up? Hmm. To start jacking it and see yeah. how they go. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a decent exposure? <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of crime. <laughs> yeah. All right, Brett. I've always thought about this, and it's so shitty, and I would never do this, but I'm a big fan of uh, street art and Banksy. I would love to just walk out and pull like a Dark Knight Rises and just claim, or Dark Knight, and just say, I'm Banksy. Oh, take and take I credit need, for all And the just vandalism. take credit and just try to lure the real Banksy out. You know, like. Like pull the Harvey the Harvey Dent and just try to lure the real Banksy. I'm really out of surprised the, no one's done that. Yeah, I, I've always thought about that. That I, that would be very very interesting just to see the reaction of the public and you know. Well, I think it's because he would immediately be arrested. True. So so Brett, um, you know, say you pull it off, right? Yeah. And people believe you're the famous street artist Banksy. Yeah. Uh, is there anything you would do to celebrate? Oof. You know, shred a painting or two. Yeah, I mean, everybody says it. I'd go down to Disney World. Disney World. Oh, Disney World. Disney World. In I Florida. wouldn't go to Disneyland. Disney World. Florida. Would you bring mm. an inflatable doll with you? <laughs> I would not. But there are other establishments in Florida that are pretty, pretty popular to uh, visit outside of Disney World. So yeah, you're gonna hit Disney World, you know, one day, and then hit the local massage parlor the next day. Family's going to do their things. And, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, what we're alluding to is Mr. Robert Kraft. Ooh, good pa- old Bobby Hanjo. Patriots <laughs> owner. Uh, and he, NFL. I like it, He's like the main NFL owner, I feel like. I feel like he has taken well, that from Jerry Jones. Motherfucking Super Bowls. Yes. I mean... It's, yes. insane. Uh, yeah, it's insane. And uh, he was caught up in a stain operation uh, as being a proprietor of a massage parlor that was uh, part of a drug, or not, sorry, drug, a sex trafficking ring. And yeah. uh, he has been reportedly caught on tape multiple times. He, that's the one part. Getting the, the good old <laughs> like, happy ending. Like this fucking cop comes out here. And on goddamn camera, like, describes in full, like, literally full detail what's going on. Like, we get it. We understand what's happening. You don't have to walk us down this road. 
because I'm not going to like the destination. He gave like a Daniel Steele type narration of a hand job. <laughs> And it was like I I get it no yes. like you stop in the first five seconds like I I stop. totally get where this I ends. I get it. <laughs> you don't even have to say anything. You just say Robert Kraft came into the massage parlor and uh, joke ends. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yada yada. Right. And you know take the clip from Seinfeld, but uh, this this story is getting more interesting by the day because it's come out now that he had two uh, different masseuses that uh, he knew by name, uh, who he embraced Nasway. with. A, Em- embraced with hugs that he was that familiar with. Ooh. Uh, and th- th- this isn't like the situation where some people thought like, well, they asked him and so he obliged by their request. No, no, no. He went in there asking for those services. It wasn't something where it was. it's entrapment. He knew what he was there for. Yeah. Oh, totally. There are so many questions that, that pop up about this case. One, I've got to ask... Why are you getting a hand like that? Why are you getting a hand job in a public establishment? I Take know, it home. like a billionaire. <laughs> I Take know, right? Well, someone compared That's it to like point. you know why do why would a billionaire ever eat fast food? Right? It's yeah. Like yeah. Sometimes you're just feeling kind of dirty. You know? <laughs> <laughs> here's the most here's the most savage part about this whole fucking story, which I have. I mean, you know, it's a serious issue, but I fucking love it. Is that he? visited this parlor the morning of the AFC championship game, jumped on a, you know, his private jet flew to Kansas city, watched the game and, you know, obviously went on and lived his life. That's what I'm saying. This dude made it a point to go out to Florida just Just to get a rub and tug. Wow. And, and and (laughs) this is the other thing. He's not, He's not the only multi-millionaire who goes to this place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's on the list of uh, people. He's involved. like the, for- the former COO of uh, J.P. Morgan or yeah. Citibank or something like yeah. that. Yeah, wow. so, like a C-level so executive. The whole this is, this is a high-end mas- the masseuse. Ho- yeah, <laughs> in a strip mall. <laughs> yeah, in, in Jupiter, Florida, of all fucking wow. places. So you know. So this may come back uh, later, <laughs> but if you if you're a fan of True Detective, you know that uh, a running theme central in the first and third seasons is that money equals power, and power in the South and equals, massage parlors equal hand jobs. Well, <laughs> they go hand in hand. Yeah, no pun intended. Basically, well, they go hand in something else. But it like I am, I think by the time. Uh, this is all said and done. It could be just more than an, a 66-year-old widower, you know, stopping in at the wrong massage parlor and uh, getting his rocks off. That's that's how they're gonna deem it. Oh, I mean, yeah. he he immediately went to go deny that it was him, and they were like, no, no, no. Okay, that's <laughs> okay, and that's something. And <laughs> I, know, I can give you a okay. play-by-play. Like, yeah, like they brought in they brought and in Deion Sanders <laughs> from the NFL Network to give an analysis of the footage. Hey, and I'll bring it up. Tony Romo was calling it too before it happened. I got my haircut yesterday, and the girl is a Patriots fan, and I'll tell you, all Patriots fans do not defend this because you look like an idiot defending this guy. Oh, Barcelona Sports they tried is already defending Like I heard it yesterday. Money. Well, you know, his 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 wife passed away. He's, he's a little lonely. That does not justify you going and paying for a hand job in a public establishment. It just doesn't. And, and if you, <laughs> and everyone is smart enough to know that if you're going to this establishment and you know what this establishment is about. And they're an establishment that's yeah. part of a drug, uh, man, sex trafficking ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're telling me you don't 
you either willfully ignore what's going on or you're complicit, which means you're enabling yeah. it. Yeah, and I think part of it too, um, you know, because look at R. Kelly's situation. Um, I think that that's for law enforcement. It's striking while the iron is hot. So I Get think they're yeah they're privy to a, probably a lot of stuff happening. Um, you know, in terms of human trafficking and sex trafficking, and I think that they're probably going to be cracking down. You know, because why stop with R. Kelly? especially if it leads to other places yeah and and r kelly is a story for another time because we don't even want to dive down that (laughs) yeah that closet we don't want to get in there how do you like what i'm i'm trying to wonder with craft is how do you think that you can get away with this or is it just arrogant like is it ego well it's because people have been getting away with that Forever, long forever. Time. I mean, it's here in San Diego, too, but I mean, you get, you know? but yeah. you walking into that type of establishment, you don't think anybody's gonna recognize you in public walking into that establishment that does that. Bro, type it's of thing? Jupiter, Florida. Yeah, that's like, actually yeah. I mean, that's very true. I do think yeah. the, the limo kind of probably American Horror up. Story freak show happened in Jupiter, yeah. Florida. So the, 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 <laughs> not a lot of shit goes really. <laughs> did yeah. it take place at the unnoticed? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, whatever the fuck the place is called, the uh, the Tulip Swan, the. <laughs> The limo outside of you know the massage parlor, and the seven. Uh, he rolls up in a Bentley into a strip mall. Yeah, is that know, not right. suspicious? It is. Like, it Aaron, is. would you write? Can you please place. write that into one of your novels, please? <laughs> I want the villain to roll up into a Bentley, and and then all the people just go, "What the fuck are you doing here? You get but out you of know here. What? This is not how you orchestrate a crime. I think what it is, and I I think back to Elliot uh, Specter. And, you know, what was it? Call Girl That's Number actually, Nine? Oh, I didn't or, think about you that. Know, yeah, and it's like, and they said the same thing about him was like this, this, but he was very paranoid, but he still showed up to these places and he had a baseball cap thinking no one recognized him. <laughs> yep. You know, I think they just have a, they live in a bubble and yeah. they don't understand like how to be discreet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the same reason why people think Clark Kent is a good secret identity for fucking Superman. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, also when you, when you get to like a certain age, you, the fucks you give tend to fall out the window, I think, a little bit more frequently. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so he's, it gets higher the more money you have. So yeah. the older yes. you get, plus the more money. Right. He's just on it's a fucking just rocket Everett. ship. Yeah. The, fucks, the yeah. fucks you give and the hand jobs you get go like, you know, like in opposite <laughs> yes. directions. They, they, they intersect. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> no, they go in opposite directions. I don't know if I've directions. done a lot of hand jobs <laughs> when I'm 66 years old. I'm just going to be honest with you. Well, Paying that's because you're not a multimillionaire. That's true. Yeah. And you don't I'm have not, sit Super Bowl rings. Florida, I know? think the funniest thing of this entire thing was when they came out, because it just came out like a, a like a day ago or two, and this will come out. I mean, this episode releases Monday, so this is a few, few days later than when it came out. But the women that are performing these acts are like 45, and one is like 58. Like, those are seasoned professionals or like how do you they're also I just mean. like drug through the mud too like bobby craft what are you doing yeah, man like, you could I only mean. think about how long they've been you know in this occupation oh my god and man. you know now maybe there's something comforting about these girls which yeah. is why you know he was drawn to old them. tina the tug but he's also dating you know? like a, a bombshell you know 40 year old blonde barbie who obviously can't give hand jobs apparently not you know <laughs> crime solved there, there we is. are right there that's the end of the story all right we're gonna head to break we're gonna come back we've got an interview with aaron to talk about all his upcoming projects and the updates in the world of aaron philip clark make sure that's philip with one l don't misspell it when you do that google search 
And we're going to be talking True Detective reactions to season three and the state of noir in film and television. And everybody's favorite detective, Detective Pikachu. I got the bear back. Let me get a massage real quick. <laughs> All right. We are back. Uh, Brian has finished his receiving his massage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was real time. So from the moment he said he had to go until <laughs> now, that was real time. Yeah. We're in a good location recording-wise, you know, very close proximity. <laughs> Jupiter, Florida. Right around the corner. Yeah. Um, to the herbal leaf. But now, you know, we're getting to the part of the episode that everybody's here for. And that's our exclusive interview with crime author and filmmaker Aaron Philip Clark. Yeah. Uh, and if you are a longtime listener of the show, you know that Aaron joined us last season uh, for a great episode. And we enjoyed that so much we wanted to have him come back. Oh, and, yeah. and talk wait. some more topics. <laughs> and you're, you're, Aaron, you're a great guest because you do something that not many people really touch into. I think writing, writing is a, it's an intense type of thing. And I mean, I admire you, man, for even starting that. Oh, so yeah. thank you. Good, thank good job. You. Some would say it's a lost art form. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's becoming that for sure. Yeah, especially I mean, now it's emojis. Right? Yeah, people don't even use words. That's, I, a, I mean, that's a good point. Um. Yeah, I would say that it's right up there with, you know, writing a letter. I mean, these are things that people just don't sit down and do anymore. Yeah, yet when they are executed and well executed, they have much more meaning than anything else we, you know, oh, yeah. come across. Yeah, day and, to day. and like we mentioned earlier, is some people can benefit from more writing, uh, like Jesse Smollett. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, to avoid emojis, because, I mean, we're talking about crime and everything, and this is just a funny side note, but I they recently put out that courts are not um, adept to have emojis entered into uh, evidence. Interesting. They don't know. They, 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 there's no precedent on what emojis mean. So like a gun to a head. Next yep. to a oh, I see what you're saying. There's skull. no, there's no press. They like they they haven't figured it out. Can't yet. translate it. So our written communication has now needs to be reevaluated in the the judicial system. So if you're looking for a yeah. new crime, uh, you can write about how the emoji movie destroyed millions of people's, you know, wasted millions of people's time. Yeah. Uh, how the devolved <laughs> language has destroyed yeah. our yeah. judicial system. We're back to system. hieroglyphics, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything uh, comes full circle. But you've got two blitz out right now that you can currently purchase. Amazon, anywhere you buy books, Barnes and Nobles, I any, do. any any main distributors, and that is The Science of Paul. Yes. And the second novel, which I am... A Healthy Fear Man. A Healthy Fear Man, yeah. Yeah. It, I lost it. And you've got one coming out later this year called The Furious Way. So in May, The Furious Way will come out, and um, that hopefully will spark a new series, uh, which will feature Tito Garza, who is my uh, a dual protagonist. So in that group... Uh, it's Lucy Ramos and then Tito, Tito Garza, and they're working together um, to avenge uh, her mother's death. That's a hell of a name, Tito Garza. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Could you? All right, so we <laughs> deja vu because we actually did talk know, about right? this already. But yeah, can you uh, just give the readers like a, a quick synopsis of sure. Furious Way? Because I think it's a really cool, uh, really cool story. Sure. So uh, Lucy Ramos is a bit of a shut in. She's a a young girl who um, has had a hard life because her mother was murdered um, when she was about eight. So uh, her mother ends up murdered. She goes into foster care and she basically has to piece together a life out of this tragedy. Um, And what she decides to do once she's kind of of age and she saved enough money is to seek out Tito Garza, 
who is a um, golden age hitman uh, who worked for uh, the mob uh, in various places. So he was on the East Coast, but he ends up settling uh, in Los Angeles and he's living in uh, San Pedro, which is south of downtown. And she puts money in a backpack and she makes her way to Tito Garza with the hope that he will, she could pay him to teach her the ways of killing. Um, and he's an old guy, so she's not actually expecting him to, you know, kill anybody. She just wants the knowledge. And so she knocks on his door and they end up uh, having an agreement where he says, okay, give me all the money that you have. I will teach you kind of how to do this, but you play by my rules. And um, the reveal is that who they want to kill is now assistant district attorney uh, of the city of Los Angeles. And she is convinced that this is the man. And no matter what, Tito Garza says, fine, you hire me to do to help you with this and I'm going to help you. And so now they have to figure out how to get to someone who's very insulated um, and exact this this revenge. Uh, but Tito Garza goes by the name El Perro of Pedro because he uses dogs to kill his um, his marks. Oh, damn. Oh, interesting. I don't think we learned that last time we were talking about this. <laughs> so that's why the dog is on the cover of the book, um, because ah, yep. essentially what he sense. does is he rescues dogs from fighting rings. He'll go to the pound. He'll, he'll get these dogs who are essentially damaged. Um, and within the book, it's this almost kinship that forms with Lucy and these dogs because they both have suffered this traumatic event. And so she begins to really connect to these dogs because at the heart of it, Lucy is not a killer. She really just wants justice. And so the subtext of the book is really that justice doesn't come to everybody. So there's certain people with money and influence who can get justice, but there's those people who have no resources, no money, and things happen to them and justice never comes their way. And so she wants to tip the scales in her favor and she's willing to do whatever that takes, um, you know, to make that happen. And now is the Tito Garza character, have you been, is that a, a pocketed character you've been thinking about for a while? Or is that something that, you know, just came up as the story was writing with the other lead protagonist? Or how did, how well, did Tito Garza kind of come up? That character, actually, I, I created Tito Garza for a short story collection. Oh. Uh, Gary Phillips, who actually just did the novelization for uh, The Killing Joke. Uh, he had me write a story for his PI. He has this famous PI, Nate Hollis, who he's been writing about for a long time. They turned it into a comic or a graphic novel. And um, this is like his seminal PI character. And so he was kind of doing this, um, uh, bringing the character kind of back into the light and he wanted some fresh stories. And so I ended up writing Tito Garza for, um, to kind of interact with Nate Hollis in, in this story where Nate Hollis has to track him down because uh, Tito Garza in this particular story is much older than he is in mine. And this is kind of like his last leg. And so he's still doing these hits with the dogs and it opens up with um, Tito Garza pulling up in Echo Park and this van door opens and this dog just gets out and runs down this, this guy in this alley and so the police are trying to figure out, was this like a feral attack, like a coyote or just a pack of wild dogs or what really happened? And so, the, you know, there's no evidence that ever connects Tito to this crime, except the fact that Nate Hollis's father remembers that there okay. was a guy in the neighborhood back in the day 
who had gone on this killing spree with these dogs. And that's what Nate Hollis goes on to try and figure out who the hell Tito Garza is. Okay. And so I had written Tito for that purpose because one of the themes in that story um, is ageism and the idea that, you know, we look at old people and they're kind of invisible, right? And so um, in that particular story, it was really about, um, you know, his father, while he wasn't rooting for Tito, he kind of thought it was kind of cool that Tito Garza made this resurrection yeah. of sorts and came back. And he's like, if it really is Tito, that's crazy. Because <laughs> if Tito's out there at 85 and he's still pulling this stuff off, you know, that that's insane. You know, and yeah. Nate Hollis is like, it's not this old guy. It can't be. And then it ends up being, you know, Tito, who's who's responsible for killing these people. Yeah. Um, and in a way, Nate Hollis has to kind of give him props for that because yeah. he's, you know, he's a real OG. So you mentioned that you're going to hopefully branch off a series with with Tito as a character. Obviously, being up there in age, uh, I'm assuming maybe some of the stories are going to be like his past and, and backstory. Yeah, so we'll learn a little bit about how he got into the hitman business. Um, I touch on it in the novel, uh, but he essentially had a family. You know, he's not this traditional kind of sociopathic killer. That's not what he is. He simply needed a job and he had a family to support. Um, and he started off as just a is doing kind of jobs for the for the mob and driving people. And then it was an opportunity for him to um, take care of someone. And he decided to do that because he needed a car for his family. And in exchange, he got a brand new Cadillac. <laughs> so, okay. you know, it's it's it's. It's a blue collar tale. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, if you're going to, you know, move forward with this other series, would you say that, you know, as a writer, are you creating your own universe where all these characters, you know, are in the same universe? Yeah, I am. <laughs> so so there my hope crossovers. is that so it's the yeah, world. I mean, <laughs> you know, well, this you, is, know, you know, I'm you know I'm building a universe. And so yeah, yeah. it's it's That's uh it. my hope is that all my my characters will be able, in many ways, could walk into each other's books. You know, um, the terms of the world that I've created, it's really the same. Whether it's set in Philadelphia, North Carolina, um, yeah, uh, L.A., it, it doesn't matter. So. I will always write about uh, or let the backdrop be social issues. And so for Tito Garza, you know, it's gentrification. You know, he's watching his neighborhood of Pedro um, change before his eyes and he it kind of pisses him off. But sure. as an old man, he just watches from this window and he can't really do a whole lot um, until Lucy knocks on his door and gives him purpose. And once he feels like he has purpose, then he's like, oh, maybe I can enact some kind of change in this neighborhood and and do something so when these these people knock on his door who are like revitalizing the neighborhood uh he realizes well maybe i could just kill them too and i could fix this problem man uh, so i've i've got to ask a question because we've had an author on before uh sean mangerino he wrote um, a much book. Di about, much different book. Much, <laughs> much a different much different book. book. I mean, it was. Chad, a hey, he's a chill. Yeah. And don't read out uh, Chad Kavanaugh, who's now an author. Who's as well. also oh, an yes. author too. Yeah. Chad, Chad, what up, Chad? But I'm always fascinated to know because we've heard from them, and I mean, obviously, Sean's world was created from 
his child he, he created the world around his child and everything like that but I'm, I'm always curious to know how how do you choose your locations for where the book is going to happen like i mean philadelphia la san pedro how do you how do you choose those locations is that a supporting character of the novel or or how are you selecting those locations Aaron? uh very much uh so that it's it's a character and most of the time i pick places i've i've spent time in okay so you know i lived in philly for three years um i lived in san pedro for about three and a half okay um and so i like places that have an interesting history so with philadelphia you know philly is very much this city is really a comprised of neighborhoods it's as masquerading as this big city but it's not it's just right. all these neighborhoods that are just like smack close together and they all have their own little separate histories you know and so i always thought that was interesting that you could literally go five blocks and now you're in this whole other place and it has its own history and its own rules almost and so um you know i i try and play places that will that will lead itself to um you know, providing color and providing texture for the story. Um, and so for Pedro, it's a great history because tons of writers live there. <laughs> and I decided to live there primarily because <laughs> a, <laughs> a little bunch bit of, of inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so you're talking like Charles Bukowski drank at a bunch of bars off of uh, Pacific. And we would have Charles Bukowski nights where we would literally drink where he drank and see who could be standing at the end of the night. That's a, um, that's a heavy bar and, tab to pick up, a yeah, Buskowski tab. And everywhere we went, we would read a little bit about or read some of his work, you know, and talk about him. And it just became like this kind of traditional thing with, you know, me and my, my buddies in, in grad school. Um, but you also had John Fonte, who lived in L.A., famous Italian L.A. writer. So, um you know, I always wanted to write a set of story in Pedro. Uh, and it's a very interesting place because it's it's one of the last places in L.A. that still have a, a tinge of old gold in Los Angeles. So and when I say that, I mean, like, it hasn't it's not a victim of the wrecking ball. Yeah. Like they haven't come in and they haven't changed a whole lot. It still looks the way it looked in the 30s. Not a lot has changed. So. Um, you know, it's a great place to set a noir novel because if you want to play with, you know, the past a little bit, um, you know, you could really do that. Yeah. Pedro. We're sitting down talking with Aaron Philip Clark right now. He's the author of science of Paul, a healthy fear of man and coming out in May, the furious way question for you too. Like what is the next, what is the next thing you're going to do? I mean, after this, I mean, is it, is it just strictly writing? Are you going to venture into, you know, screenwriting, anything like that? Or is it, are you just sticking novel right now? Well, I started in screenwriting and my goal is to uh, turn my novels into scripts. Nice. And so I've already written um, The Science of Paul and I will be um, taking The Healthy Fear of Man and adapting that into a feature as well. Nice. Awesome. All right, and when those become movies, if you do find us a part for uh, Brian, Brett, and I, you know, let us I know. Got, I got you guys. If there <laughs> is a massage parlor, we have a total Brian's character in? for you right here. <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah. I'll method act. I'll method act for you. If you need a, a radio DJ like the Warriors, you know, where you know you don't even have to show our faces, just our mouths on the yeah. microphone, we can do that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> if you need someone to be eaten alive by dogs, uh, Brett's got it. Yeah, uh, I think he I'm, he I'm a, he lived, you know. 
I'm 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 a white dude that's skinny. A lot of people want to see me eating my dogs. And I just <laughs> feel like you don't even need multiple. Just, I just feel like like one pit bull is gonna take him down. Yeah, yeah, easy. yeah, for sure. Uh, but you know we've got Aaron on. We've got a a crime themed episode, and it's only fitting that with Eric on that we or, sorry with Aaron on that we we jump into True Detective. You mentioned noir, which is a yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, speaking of a noir series that and just ended. Uh, True Detective that really was looking to rebound. Um, a series that started off very high. What do you mean? Uh, There's only been two seasons. <laughs> I like the way you think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll you just know. we'll completely erase. <laughs> they just count weird. They, <laughs> they go one and three. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just uh, just the odds. Yeah. Uh, but they came back with two time now uh, best supporting actor Mahershala Ali. And uh, Peter Dorf, who I don't think I've seen, or what? Stefan. Stefan, sorry, yeah, Stefan yeah. Dorf. That yeah. I don't think I've seen since Blade. Yeah. Because uh, I can't tell you. He's done some independent films, but yeah. yeah. His best line in Blade is, look at you. You look like a little bitch. That <laughs> 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 kicks in. I'll never forget that line. Uh, and, you know. They Carmen just, Ajoga, she's in it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, Great and actress. They, just, they just wrapped on, on their eight-episode their eight season, and uh, you know, it was better. It was it was it was, it was a return to form. I Much would say. better. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, Mahershala is just ridiculous. Oh my god, he's he's next level. I mean, yeah. him playing the old man, like him as an old man, was just like it's he the was walk. great. He was he, he was had the so walk. great. Yeah, I mean, he had er- the whole thing was he was, was just so perfection. good. Yeah, he was so good, so good. Uh, so right away, Aaron, I want to get your thoughts as uh, someone. In the noir, you know, area of entertainment. Okay. Uh, well, I've I've read a few reviews, and some people felt that it was a lackluster finale. Brian. <laughs> <laughs> and sorry, sorry. But from the standpoint of a noir writer, it's just a slow burn. That's all it was. It's 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 um. It's a style of storytelling in which you're not concerned so much about the crime, but more about how the crime affects the detective. And that's what this was. This was a really a character study of a black police officer in the South who had to contend with having to take a step back behind his partner because that was kind of the rules of, of, of law enforcement really in the South especially during that time, um, who ultimately gave up on a case because he decided that he would protect the woman that he was interested in, not even married at that point, but interested in, and and chose that over basically lying or, and, and having to, you know, go against his morals. And so it's more, it was a character study. So for me, I thought it was brilliant in the sense that Sometimes crimes happen like that. It's not some conspiracy. It's not right. some organization of pedophiles as as they kind of it was a red herring. They wanted you to believe that that somehow it would connect to the first season. Yeah. And then in the end it really wasn't that. It wasn't anything necessarily um, you know, overly demented. It was just this ridiculous circumstance. Yeah. And you know, the the guy who I, I call him Mr. Gaines, but um, I can't think of his his real name with the glassy, uh, the foggy June? eye, uh, Mr. June. June. Mr. June. Yeah. Um. He 
he wanted to be punished. Junus because he had he had actually. gotten away with doing what he did right. for so long. Aren't you gonna lock me up? Yeah, that punish he was me. Yeah, punish. I thought that was such a pivotal scene with them walking away and be like, you know, that's not who they are anymore. You know? yeah. and, and when you say that the red herring was connecting it back to the first season, oh, they had me going for like three minutes. Oh, yeah. When they when uh, Mike, the groundskeeper. Yes. Oh, was me like, too. Oh, my I was father's so, been so doing ready this, to be excited. Doing yeah. this for free, so I do it uh, the same. But they took that because they knew everybody would jump on exactly. it. Exactly. And they yeah. twisted it. Yeah. And I enjoyed that. But I think this, if you look, if you want to talk about how the first season ends, not on the happiest of, of moments. It, it you know especially it it's just a, it's it's a dark realization of of that everything is futile and that the you know everyone dies and that this is all gonna end. Uh, this I think is even sadder because Mahershala's character Hayes he cracks the fucking case wide open. He makes all of the connections that only a brilliant detective could, and gets to the doorstep of just figuring it all out. And forgets. Yeah. And in that moment, and they never revisit it, and it's it's heartbreaking because the whole fucking season has led up to that moment. And he the audience knows, but it's lost forever. But 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 like Aaron said though, make no mistake that true detective from the beginning of season one has always been a character study. It's not about figuring yeah. out the crime. It never has been about figuring the crime. It's the impact of what is happening upon the characters and how they react to yeah. Well, for me, I think number one, he does figure it out. It's when he's drinking the glass of water and he looks at the daughter and he looks at her and it's like a long stare where he doesn't like remove the glass. And I think like he is a good enough actor where he can like show recognition, you know, like without having to say anything. Um, and to me, like that's what I got watching it. I'm like, oh, like he figured it out. But he he didn't want to like expose her, right? She's happy. She's living her life, you know, and then he just takes that with him and then lets himself forget. Right. Yeah. I got that. I got that sense, too. Yeah. Um, what I think my favorite part about the season to me is that the true detective was actually his wife. Yeah. Right. Uh, and oh, yeah. that it really and it took it literally took her like in his mind to tell him what, what was going on. Yeah. yeah. Right. So through the book, through everything that she was doing. You know, she was the one who was actually like putting herself out there to get information about this case when she didn't have to. Yeah. Right. And to me, like that, that was cool because I like I got that. Right. It's like, here's, you know, these two detectives in front of your face. But like behind the scenes, this is actually they're not the crime really, solvers. Yeah. yeah. Here's yeah. who's actually really who really was dead. She was dedicated to it. Though. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's. A message, and she's the one who who like knew that the dude with the, you know, that Mister yeah, June was like somebody. Showing up at yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The so, reading. I mean, it, with her, I thought it was again just brilliant writing because she emerged even from the grave as being you know every every season there you know this idea of the true detective which really is just a, a a play on in writing in the writing world what we call true character moments where you're revealed as what you truly are and so every season has that and so for her in the end she was revealed as being you know this this brilliant detective that her husband never took the time to really 
realize that and and give her her due and the fact that he never read her books right because had he just right. read the book that it was all she had done the work yeah you know so but he he just never was invested in that way yeah and i think in a way you i think it was a sad season because you get that last shot of him on the porch with his grandkids and they show you vietnam and yep. you realize that this man is going to be in a perpetual loop of jumping through timelines until he leaves the world. And yep. that's where he's at. Yeah. And I think they did uh, a striking job with how they shifted from uh, points in time. Oh, the editing. Oh, I, l- I loved, I loved, yeah. They, they better, they better get Emmys. That's all I'm Oh, saying. he's got to win. No, <laughs> he's got to win. Bohemian yeah. Rhapsody won't win for editing. <laughs> uh. So when it comes to, I guess, like, obviously True Detective is a modern form of noir that, yeah. we, that we haven't seen in a long time. Are you excited about seeing this, or do you think that this is, is this a nod back to classic noir, or is this an evolved form of noir? I think it's a solid modern noir. Okay. The tropes yeah. are still there. The tropes echo back to classic noir, but... Um, it's evolved. It's it's definitely evolved yeah. as as time has gone on and in, in terms of the issues that are popping up in society. Yeah. And so good crime fiction has always had a through line to what's going on. It's always been part of the zeitgeist. And so, um, you know, when you look at True Detective or when you look at um, uh, I Am the Night, the limited series, they're dealing with issues that still exist. There's, you know, they're dealing with, um, even though it's, you know, 30, 40, yeah, 50 30, years 40, ago. it's the same stuff. Right. You know, you're talking about race relations. You're talking about money and power and the influence that it buys. Um, and so these things are still echoes through society and they're not going away. And so good noir will always tap into that. Now, what those shows have over, say, procedural shows like Law and Order is that Law and Order focuses only on the procedure only on solving the crime and for a lot of people that's safe um i write from the standpoint of character driven uh crime i could care less about the crime sometimes it could be really small you know or sometimes it really could be a big conspiracy but no matter what it is it's more about um how it's affecting the detective or pi or ex-con or average person who is trying to make sense out of it because at the end of the day too i mean the 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 case closed is never really the conclusion. No. I mean, that that we're looking for is like educated film watchers. It's never the case closed. It's always like, what did this do to the people that were involved in this case? What did this going on? It makes me think about what's going to happen to a specific Pokemon that is going to tackle a case. Because you mean they're teasing the, that. The, the truest of, <laughs> of true detectives? You mean the specific of detective. true detectives. Yes. Yeah. We're talking about Pokemon. Pikachu detective. Detective Pikachu. <laughs> you, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> no, you, no, no, no. This is how you Jesus know it's live today. It's live You know I'm not a Pokemon fan. No, I know. You're you detective. Or a fan Pikachu. of the written word, apparently. <laughs> yeah, detective Pikachu. <laughs> Should have let, uh, let Aaron write that out for you before detective you said it. Detective Pikachu, the movie. Uh, but no, yes, it is. It is Detective Pikachu. Uh, the movie is starring uh, Ryan Reynolds as Detective Pikachu. I uh, mean Deadpool as Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> no, well, yes, it is Deadpool as Ryan Reynolds yeah. as Detective Pikachu. Right, and it is. I think this movie is coming out of left field for a lot of people. Yeah, uh, primarily those uh, 
you know, Generation Etzers and, and old millennials uh, who did not know that this was a Game Boy game. This was a Game Boy Advanced game uh, that came out, oh God, probably f- easily 15 years ago. Uh, and they turned it into a movie. When I first heard this, that they were going to do a Detective Pikachu movie and that Ryan Reynolds was going to voice him, I didn't believe it was real. And then I was like, oh, it's probably going to be animated. It'll be animation. Right. Because how else would they do a Pokemon movie? But no, they went all in on live action. And this movie, the money of... The, the budget they spent, the, the oh, amount of money they spent insane. on the live action, the CGI is got to be ridiculous because it looks so good. The the interpretation of what was a Game Boy video game RPG that turned into a manga that has spawned a phenomenon uh, and is continually going strong. Like they keep releasing games, Pokemon Go yeah. a few years ago. Well, they like just this, announced uh, a new Sword game, and Shield, Sword, right? Sword and Shield for yeah. the Switch, which is going to be a return to the RPG. It's just crazy because it's one of the few uh, things in pop culture that has carried its popularity through multiple generations. And this is going to be the first time they're venturing from just a animated cartoon targeting, you know, children to a live action that the audience is much wider. Yep. And make no mistake, Pokemon are not going anywhere. I just read this on January 25th, 2019. Four months ahead of the film's release, uh, there's a confirmed sequel already yeah. in place. I think because it's going to be amazing. So, I mean, it's, yeah. so, yeah. So, I like I follow... They know that this thing is going to yeah, be a cash cow. It's, it's insane. So, like, I follow just these random dudes on Twitter that are somehow just connected within the industry, whatever. And they predict, you know, how well movies are going to do. And like, let's get real review scores, Oscars, whatever movies are in the business of making money. So these guys like, you know, they call it Aquaman. They're like, Oh, Aquaman's going to make a billion dollars. And you're like, bullshit. There's no chance. Boom. Guess what happened? Right. Um, China. That's what happened. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they like, they get stuff right. And they're saying that they're thinking that, Peak, that uh, Detective Pikachu is going to hit two bill. What? Like it's going to be because it's worldwide, right? Yeah, yeah, global. Yeah. Because global. I could easily see that because the entire world is going to go see this movie and it's good. Can I tell you the first movie that I have memories of having to go get advanced tickets from the box office was me convincing my dad on a Wednesday night, a school night to go to the box office of the movie theater to buy advanced tickets for that weekend for the Pokemon, Pokemon movie. movie. Mm. Not only just to make sure we got tickets, but so that I could make sure that I got the freaking collectible Mew card. Like, so when I go see Detective Pikachu as an adult, I better get a fucking yeah, there's, there's <laughs> collectible obsessed, training like, cult, card. Like, fan-like like, fan like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, there is that a is huge... the earliest memory I have of going and getting advanced tickets because that movie made a ton of money. That yeah. they've made so many more but you know the the anime the, that they've had has kind of fallen off. But I think branching into live action and the possibilities of live action opens this this brand to a wider audience where two billion, yeah, I think is very feasible. Well, it's really interesting too because it's like the perfect movie to take your kids to mm-hmm. because there's like you know the thirty five plus generation that grew up with it, and then there's the kids 
you know, maybe five, six who played fucking Pokemon Go and lost their minds two years ago or whatever it was. So you're getting two generations that have like, you know, some sort of familiarity and interest with it. And then you go get, you know, arguably one of the biggest movie stars in the world, have him play like himself, you know, fucking Deadpool as Pikachu and, you know, throw $200 million at it in special effects and see what happens. Pretty no, good formula. It know? is. I think it's a really good formula. Yeah. I think merchandising will kill too. Oh that's my God, see, right? Okay, yeah. and it, it's over. That's where I get. That's where I get with this whole thing. Do you think? And this sounds ridiculous right now, but do you think that this is a more successful character for Ryan Reynolds than Deadpool? I think this may I do. do more money. I do than make more money. Too, I do. Sure. Yeah, Man. I think it'll yeah, make more money more than pill. Deadpool, especially yeah. if they they you know run off like two or three of these. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. this is the thing. That's crazy to think. I mentioned <laughs> that <laughs> like a, a character, a character that brought back literally a film distribution company that was extinct. Yes. Um, brought that back. There's going to be a character that does better than that. Yeah. I think I think Warner Brothers will just forget DC. And just go full Pokemon. Oh, I pray to it God. Would, it would kind of make sense for them, though. Yeah. yeah. Truthfully. But, yeah. Well, uh, they did announce... Sorry. No. Uh, but they did announce that they are killing the like combined timeline. They're just yeah. going to do individual yeah. Flash movies. Flashpoint. Yeah. Yeah. F- just make it. more Aquaman, make more Wonder Woman. And Does that mean Zack Snyder's not in it? No, yeah. He's, Zack Snyder's dead. Yeah. yeah um, he's done. But <laughs> with, with Pokemon <laughs> Detective <laughs> Pikachu, I mentioned that it was a Game Boy Advance game. Uh, and... So I kind of have a, a theory, which I'm not going to blurt out because I'm pretty sure I'm, it's it's probably correct about where this because movie you goes. Because you know I played that game and I've played a lot of Pokemon growing yeah. up. So there's just a, a current theme that I think that the movie's going to go with. But I will say this. Uh, this was kind of a dark children's game because the same thing happens. Detective Pikachu was the dad's Pokemon. The dad, Henry, goes missing. The son, Tim, and Pikachu team up to not only catch Pokemon but to figure out what happened to his dad. Uh, the game ends, you never find Harry. Oh, shit. You solve some other crimes, mm-hmm. but you never find his dad. Isn't it like a like a television network conspiracy kind of thing that's going on in that? So, yeah, you don't have to do but, it. But, but yeah, what yeah. I'm saying is... so It gets into deep stuff that you would never expect a, so P- and, a Pokemon and, movie and it, to yeah, like get into. It's where a it's, dark game. So one, I think they made it with the intention of there being a sequel, but they never really got behind making a sequel for the video game. Mm-hmm. But two, when I think of my theory, what I think is going to happen in the movie, this is a franchise. Yeah. This this is itself just Detective Pikachu is easily a franchise, and I think it's just going to murder... Uh, Disney's live action Aladdin too. I mm. think when you're holding up the live action films with Dumbo, well, when you Aladdin, got a fucked up looking Lion Will King. Smith like that, yeah. I think Lion it doesn't King it wins. doesn't do I anything. Lion, King, Lion King looks great, but uh, yeah, I think it's gonna be Detective Pikachu's year. Yeah, I could I could definitely see that. It's definitely not gonna be Will yeah. Smith's blue ass with his fucking <laughs> six pack abs that I just saw and then, the other you know, day. Did they just paint least, those in? Because yeah. I just realized those the other day when they played the trailer again. Well, they made like, him look I don't weird. Think those abs were they, there like, they made his back like bigger. You know, yeah. he looks like the, the original like the mush like the marshmallow man. Yeah, a little bit. I really, like, it's yeah. Like I really hope they figure that out. But as long as they don't watch men, yes, and show me some fucking blue dick. A giant screen. I'm good. First wish, genie. Put that penis guy. away right now. Uh, Speaking of Zach, and I will say though, if, if appreciate Detective you, Zach. Pikachu is looking for ideas, twelve for a foot sequel, blue dick. I'm just saying, maybe a wealthy Pokemon trainer 
uh, visits a Pokemon massage parlor mm. and uh, some things occur. That would be Team Rocket. Team Rocket's hanging out yeah. in the massage parlor. Uh, That's for maybe, sure. maybe Gary fates a Pokemon hate crime. Yeah. It's, uh, it's starting to sound like uh, that Brad Pitt movie, uh, Cool World. Remember that? Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Who is the Who is the one? Dan, you're the Pokemon expert. Yes. I only know about three of them. Brian, are you? Do you know Pokemon Not at all? Really? No. But who would be the one Pokemon, Dan, that you would think would fake a crime? A the fake one a hate Pokemon crime. That would in the Pokemon world, who would fake a hate crime? against fake himself hate crime? in the Pokemon It's got to be that platypus looking one. <laughs> no, Squir- like no, the it's, snore it's, one? It's not Wobbuffet. Uh, Wobbuffet. Jig- <laughs> Jigglypuff? No, Jigglypuff. No, no, no. no. Squirtle? Uh, bruised up Charizard. Jigglypuff? <laughs> Mew? You know what? Um, I would probably say... Oh, that's a tough question. That, like, it's... it's No, it's fucking Meowth, bro. Oh, okay. And it's, and it's Team Rocket's talking... Meowth. Oh, meowth. That yeah. son of a bitch. Yeah. Always yeah, wants to attention. He always looks like yeah. he's up to some stuff. Always stealing yeah. coin. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, Aaron, thank you for hanging out with us. Yeah, thank you for uh, having Thank me. you for joining this episode. Again, if you want to learn more or find Aaron Philip Clark's books, you can check out Amazon or any place. Uh, the you know, Science of Paul. And the, yeah, it's Healthy Science Fear of, of Man. Healthy Fear of Man. Look out for May, The Furious the Way. The Furious Way. Come that way. And that's from uh, Shotgun Honey. Shotgun Honey. Uh, Aaron, uh, you know, where can people find you online, your website, social media? Uh, so that is going to be uh, Clark. that's one L, dot com. And I'm also on the Facebook and uh, Twitter as well. Awesome. And you know where you can follow us at pop underscore not soda uh, on Instagram and Twitter and bat slash pop not soda official. Uh, and just like this episode, you can find new episodes of Pop Not Soda every Monday at popnotsoda.podbean.com, on Spotify, on iTunes, and on anchor.fm. So until next time, as Brett says, we'll see you on the flip side. Massage.